Leviticus chapter number 10, verse number 1, is where we're going to start. I'd like to read all the way down to verse number 11, but I don't believe I, I, I will today. Um, <clears throat> but as I was studying, I told, told somebody yesterday that I had uh, full intentions of preaching an entirely different message today. And uh, it's really been on my heart for the last probably month and a half or two months. And um, I, I was kind of throughout the week struggling on putting it together as far as being able to deliver that to you. Uh, I had everything in my mind, but getting it on paper uh, was a struggle. And uh, so last night I went to bed and um, I, I, I just prayed. I said, God, I'm just going to give it to you. And uh, you, you're going to take care of it. Whether I have notes or whether I don't, then that's fine. Now, notes are a comfort zone to me, and so uh, I depend on that, not necessarily for what I'm going to say, but rather to keep me on track. And uh, so for me to say, God, whatever you want to do, even if that means just just don't use notes, that's fine. Uh, that's a step of faith for me. Um, because I know I can get lost, and as you have experienced, uh, I can run rabbits even with a, a handful of notes. Somebody can say amen right there. But as I got down to my study this morning, in full intentioned on um, continuing the thought, uh, God began to speak a, a different direction. And uh, I spoke to somebody uh, uh, maybe uh, at the Valentine's banquet uh, about uh, some things, and um, really, with, with with both of these thoughts that I've I've had over the last week, um, but especially this, and then over the last several weeks, um, uh, I've mentioned some things about this. And uh, when I say this, I'm being cryptic at the moment, um, but you will soon find out what I'm speaking of. Uh, matter of fact, as I begin to read our text this morning, you'll understand where I'm coming from. Uh, Leviticus chapter number 10, verse number 1. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Now, we could continue to read in verse 3 down through verse number 11, and we can find the things that happened. Moses gave a commandment of their bodies and gave a commandment to Aaron, and we may speak to those things here after a while. But I want to focus especially on verse number 1, we understand that the result of this offering strange fire was judgment from God. Can somebody say amen right there? But it says that either of them took his censer and put fire therein, uh, excuse me, and put fire therein and strange and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Let's pray and uh, then I'll give you the thought on my heart today. Father in heaven, we praise you, God, for your wonderful works this morning. Uh, God, as I kind of uh, offered a prayer request before Sunday school started, Lord, just a, a matter of prayer for myself. 
And God, I thank you, Lord, if there was prayer offered up for me, Lord, throughout Sunday school, I got peace, Lord, uh, from that. And I praise you for that. God, I thank you for the direction to the message this morning. Thank you for the good songs that were sang for the Sunday school lesson. God, for the testimony that was given uh, before and after the song. God, we thank you, uh, Lord, just for being real and for allowing us to feel your presence. We realize that salvation is not based on feeling. But, Father, as the old cliche says, I'm glad that I've got something that I can feel. And so, God, I give you the praise and the glory for that this morning. God, I thank you, Lord, for the day looking back when you touched me. And, Lord, my life changed. And, Father, I praise you for that. God, I thank you, Lord, that though I failed you over and over and over again, you've never failed me. And though, Lord, I failed you those many times, I've never been disappointed in you. And for that, I give you the glory. Father, we pray now that you would help us as we try to preach your word. Give us the words to say. Give us clarity of mind and speech. But, Father, above all else, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Lord, I ask you that you would do the preaching today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach on this thought today. Beware of strange fire. Now, some time ago, I preached on the message. This has probably been two years ago, maybe three on um, isn't it strange? And in that, I offered you a lot of uh, things that the Scripture speaks about that are strange. And and I'm just going to give you a few of those. Um, the word strange is mentioned around 76 times in the Word of God. In your King James Bible, it's mentioned about 76 times. I, I need somebody to probably do a study if you're brave enough. Uh, to do a study for some of these modern versions, how many times strange is mentioned. I'm not saying there's something there, but I feel as though maybe there's something missing in that. But I'm I'm not going to get on to that right now. That's the other message that the Lord laid on my heart. But the, the word strange in your King James Bible is mentioned about... 76 times. Now, it talks about, I'm not going to call all these off, but it talks about a strange way, a strange doctrine, strange apparel, strange speech, strange acts, strange children, strange waters, strange women, strange women, strange fire, strange God, strange lands, strange incense, and I believe I just mentioned, but strange Fire, And so as we think about all of these things that are entitled strange, in our Bibles we have to look at what's happened here. And it says that they offered strange fire before the Lord. Now, by way of introduction, and I don't have one lined out, but uh, as, as I began to pray and kind of put the final touches on the message this morning, uh, there was a thought that came to my mind, and it was more a thought of um, a pride that snuck up on me. And I said something like, I'm glad that I don't have strange fire. I'm glad that when I go to Lighthouse Baptist Church, I'm not offering strange fire before the Lord. I don't have these strange words, and there's not strange women, and there's not strange things. There's not strange acts, and we don't lift up strange fire before the Lord. And immediately, the Spirit of God spoke to my heart, and it said something like this, Be careful lest you offer up the strange fire of self. 
And as I began to think about that, Eric, I began to think in my mind how prideful, just in a matter of moments, that I had become thinking that I had it all together, thinking that we had it all together. And God spoke to my heart in that. And I warn you today, as we deal with this thought of strange fire, we need to be careful as we go to worship God that we don't offer up the strange fire of ourselves. Now, we sing the song, I Surrender All. And, and Israel on the altar of sacrifice laid and all of those different songs. And we sing the song, When I Lay My Isaac Down, and it's speaking of us. And so we know that through singing and through preaching and through teaching that we should lay ourselves down on the altar. We understand that. But if we are going to God full of ourselves, then, honey, we are going to God with strange fire. And so I want to give you just a couple things about this particular passage. Again, we're talking about the priest's children. It's it's interesting to me that God led Kurt in the direction that he did about having that godly influence. And there's statistics I'm sure that we could bore you with about the the amount of young people once they get to adulthood that leave the church, that leave the teaching of their parents. And I've given you this before. Uh, there are some that grew up uh, under the hard preaching like several of us have, uh, that they were so uh, bound down with the hard preaching and the hard ways that they, when they reached adulthood, they said things such as, I don't want my children to have it as hard as I had it. And so what they do is they try to overcorrect or they try to correct what their parents led them in. But what is the, what is the shame is as so often is uh, when you begin to correct, oftentimes you will overcorrect and you end up in the opposite ditch. And so you were brought up in that independent, fundamental, premillennial, uh, pre-tribulational uh, doctrine of the Baptist church. And you think that it was hard. You think that you grew up on hard preaching. Uh, you couldn't do these things. You couldn't say these things. You couldn't go these places. You couldn't hold hands with that girl. You couldn't hold hands with that boy. You couldn't do all these things. Well, I don't want my children to grow up the way that I grew up. And so you begin to slacken the reins. You begin to pull back and next thing you know you've got children that are dressing like the world. You've got children that are listening to ungodly music. You've got men that are wanting to be women. I'm talking about people that grew up in the church. You've got men that are wanting and acting like women. You've got women and young ladies that are acting like the world. They're acting like a man. You've got all of these different things and it's because the people of God have slacked the reins and we say well that was the way that we used to do well, can I tell you, I, I tried my best to get away from this, but in Jeremiah, the Bible says uh, that he says, Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. And so it could be the reason we find ourselves surrounded by strange fire 
in our society is because the people just like these young boys here uh, that grew up in the house of God. I'm told I grew up in the house of God. Uh, they were there at their father's uh, uh, robe. Uh, they were there watching them prepare the fire. They were watching prepare the altar and the sacrifices. Uh, but yet they took it upon themselves to offer strange fire unto God. And so if they did it, what makes us think that we may not do it today? This morning, I want to encourage you today. Beware. Beware of strange fire. It can happen in our hearts. I know this is going to sound cliche. It can happen in our hearts. It can happen in our homes. And it can happen in the house of God. If we're not careful, we'll overcorrect the things that we learned back in in our past. Now, let me, let me, let me help you. I'm not going to preach about wire-rimmed glasses. I'm not going to preach about preachers only wearing white shirts when they get up. That's not what I... But that's the kind of stuff that... Y'all help me. That's the kind of stuff we grew up on. That's the kind of stuff that we grew up on. And we knew it wasn't right. We said amen anyhow. We knew it wasn't right. That preacher lost his mind. Heard one preacher say he threw out his microwave because it had a channel knob on it. He thought it was a TV. I mean, preachers are bad to lie. But it was during that time. I started going to church in the late 80s. It was during that time that God instilled some things in me. And I, too, did not have a godly heritage. But I'm glad that when Bud Alligood walked through the woods or drove drove around the woods, rather, and invited us to church, God began to change some of that. So let me encourage you as parents, no matter what age, no matter what age, I wouldn't, I wouldn't junk everything you learned back then just because it was hard and you hope that your children don't have it as hard as you. My children's got it hard. Where's my other child? My children's got it hard. You say, well, I've seen you. You're not hard on them. You're but honey. You see, my children, they, they live in a pastor's home. What's a pastor supposed to do above all else? Love the flock. So that means when someone attacks the pastor's wife, the pastor's wife can't get upset at everybody. She can't leave church. She can't pout and stay home. Whoopee, ain't we having a time? When someone hurts one of my children, and it has been done in this church, when someone hurts my children, the pastor of the church has to step in as pastor to the child not the daddy, but as pastor to the child, and try to say, now, what's right is you forgive them. All the while, the daddies won't say, punch them in the eyeball. And so, unfortunately for my children and other preachers' children, pastors' children, they have to toe a line that none of the rest of the children in the church do. They can't be upset with everybody. They have to smile. They have to grin. They have to bear it. But guess what? I wouldn't trade a single thing that I've instilled in my children to make it easier on them when they become adults. You see, it would do us all good to get to that point. Well, the Christian thing is to do, just smile, just grin, just bear it, turn the other cheek. 
But we live in a society where we say, well, just be yourself. If you want to cuss them out, cuss them out. If you want to quit, quit. If you want to do whatever it is, just go ahead and do it. But can I tell you today that we live in an hour where people, even in the house of God, are offering up strange fire. And it comes from disobeying God's words. Are we having all right? Are you okay today? All right, let's get into this thing. I didn't think I had an invitation or a, I don't know if that was an invitation or an introduction, but I didn't have either one of them. I want us to see number, y'all with me this morning? Say amen. amen. Number one, I want us to look at their privilege. Beware of strange fire. These boys, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, I want us to notice their privilege. They had a godly father. And this, this is a great advantage. I got upset with Braylon the other night, and and over the phone I yelled at her. I just tell him myself it ain't no sense in hiding it. I ain't perfect, y'all know that. I yelled at her over the phone. It wasn't because of anything she done. It wasn't of anything that she was doing. It's because she couldn't hear me and I couldn't hear her, and I threatened to whoop her. Well, how silly is that? Well, by the time I got home, <laughs> I realized how silly. I said, "Honey, come here. I love you. I'm sorry. Do you forgive me?" Now, you say, well, that don't, that don't really matter much. Well, having a godly father is a great advantage. And if your earthly father, or as an earthly father, if you can't admit when you're wrong and make it right, then you're doing a disservice to your children. If you are always right, and I know people that are always right, okay? They, they think that they're always right. But it's, it's when they can't admit when they're wrong that it becomes a disservice to those around them. But Aaron had done nothing wrong. Aaron was doing what God had told him to do through God's own mouth and through the words of Moses. And Aaron was doing what was right, but then his sons began to offer strange fire. You see their privilege. They had a godly father. They had a good upbringing. If we can, if we can say this, and I don't believe this is making too much assumption, I believe that they literally had the word of God in their home. You, you ever, you ever get a phone call and you get up and you walk out of the room and you come back in and everybody's staring at you? Like, who is that? What they want? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are the same ones that are asking. Could you imagine being in Aaron's house? Aaron, inaudibly to the rest of them, heard God say, Aaron. He got up and he walked out of the house. God spoke to Aaron. Maybe God used Moses to speak to Aaron. And he walked back in. Everybody's got a chicken wing and they're like, what God say? Are you talking about unnerving, Nathan? It wasn't just living with the preacher. It was living with the priest of the entire cut population. They had the Word of God in their home. I say this to my shame. And, and I, I could say this in probably some mixed company, and they would ridicule me forever. And I believe we ought to have... Personal devotions, that's us reading the Scriptures. I believe we need to have family devotions. That's the family sitting down and reading together. 
But if there's ever a time that I do not feel the Spirit, one of those times is in family devotion. Vacation Bible school. And there's several others. Well, I just don't feel the Spirit. Somebody said in sunrise services and watch night services. I have felt the Spirit on some of those, but I don't think anybody else did. But we've, we've tried it many, many times to sit down with our children and we begin to read. And you read. And if you're like me, I like asking questions. And I know that irritates people, but that's just. And so I'm like, all right, do y'all have any questions about what you just read? Nope. Well, what about this? Yeah. What, Hunter, they're, they're, and I'm not putting it on them, but there's, there's, there's just nothing there. And so we decided, all right, you just, you read your Bible. You go to your room, you read your Bible, you do your own study. You have your personal devotions. Now, I could say that with a bunch of preachers, and they would say, you mean to tell me, brother, that you do not have family devotions? No, I don't. I know I should. And some of y'all are looking at me like, oh my goodness, pastor doesn't have family devotions. Well, I'll give you one word, kind of Greek. Shut up. You have your family devotions. God gave me my family to do what my family needs to do with it. Now, I could say, we need family devotion, bless God. You need to get you, you need to put the pants on in your house and get everybody around the kitchen table and start reading the Word of God. I could do that. But I'd be lying. Y'all with me? Ain't no sense in me making it up, Miss Irene. Well, Terry, it's difficult. Especially when you have a wife that goes to bed before the son does. The time change, son, don't go to sleep till 10 o'clock. I don't know what she's going to do. <laughs> Me neither. Come on. They, they were privileged. I'm going somewhere in this message, I promise. They had a privilege. Having this privilege, the Word of God, they were instructed in God's Word. They knew the way. They knew what they were supposed to do. But in this, it brought much responsibility. If we were to look over in the book of Luke, it says in verse number 48 of chapter 12, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. They were given the Word of God. But they disobeyed it. Let's look, number two, their presumption. We saw their privilege. Now let's look at their presumption. It says there in verse number one, it says, uh, they, either of them took his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. Now there's something that just kind of hit me here. I have preached this and I've talked about them, uh, um, uh, going to the altar and, 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 uh, sacrificing something, but none of that is said here. It's says they took his censer, individual, uh, so Nadab took his censer, and Abihu took his censer, they put fire thereon, uh, they put incense therein, and they offered strange fire before the Lord. Now, I, I don't want you to go and, and, and say that I've completely lost it, but right here, I do not see where they offered a sacrifice to God. I do not see where they put anything on the altar. They were simply, uh, they were using the incense 
instruments that were meant for God. They were using the fire that, as I understand it, came off the burnt offering or the, the altar of burnt offerings. They took those ashes, they took that fire, and they put them in the censer that was consecrated to God, and they offered strange fire because God had not commanded them to do it. There's a lot of things that are being done in the name of God. God's nowhere to be found. They took their own fire. They went their own way in Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You better mark it down today uh, that if you go outside of the steps that are ordered by God, you're going the wrong way. They worshiped in their own will. Nothing, nothing here. The Bible says in verse 24 of chapter 9, it says that the fire came out before the Lord and that consumed that was on the altar. Uh, and it says in, uh, at the end, which when all the people saw, they shouted, they fell on their faces. They had church. They worshiped. And Nadab and Abihu said, we want that too. We want that too. Now, I, I, I don't want this to sound prideful or anything. I've already mentioned this before. In April, we're going to have a camp meeting that I've heard from people all over the country that says, I hope to be able to come because that is the highlight of my year. Tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to go over to, to Brother David Phillips and they're going to have a camp meeting over there all week long. And I, I'm going to be there for just a few days. But when I get there, I can very easily, Brother Jody, compare our meeting with their meeting. And I could say, you know what? I like the spirit here. I'm going to take that back and we're going to do those same things and we're going to try to make that work over here. Well, what's going to happen is the whole entire thing is going to blow up in somebody's face, namely mine, and it'll be in with good intents. But it'll be something that God's not commanded us to do. It says that they took their, their censors or their, their, their little, you've, you've seen them, their, the little censors, and they have holes in them, and they put uh, incense and they light it on fire and then they begin to, to move it from one way or the other, maybe spin it around and it spreads that savor, if you will. And they saw the fire of God. They saw the moving of God and they wanted to recreate it. As I said at the beginning of the message or at some point in the service, what the moving of God cannot be conjured up. He's, it, it's not some, church is not some Ouija board that you can go and move some things around and hope that God shows up. It is no when we pray and we seek the face of God and we seek the presence of God. Oh, we are not calling out to spirits to to come and and move in us. We're calling upon the God of all heaven. The Bible says in John four, He is God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But we are not conjuring up some dead spirit. Oh, we are not looking through some some glass ball to try to figure out if God's going to show up or not. It is by faith that we come into the house of God to meet with Him. 
When people come to my house at 2.10, guess what they're doing? They're not coming to hope that I'm home. They're coming, or excuse, let me back that up. They're not coming with the care of whether or not I'm home. They're going to go in and enjoy themselves. They're coming with the intention of me being there so they can fellowship with me. And when I come to the house of God, I don't want to just hope that he shows up. If not, we've got one another. I want God to show up, and I want to get myself ready for when he does. When Lori and I were dating, <laughs> I didn't just go up to 317 Bays Mountain and knock on the door and say, hey, Tim, let's just sit down and talk, good old buddy, old pal. I didn't go to his house unless she was there. I wasn't going to see Timothy Ray. I was going to see Lori Christina. When we go to God's house, we should have intent to go to see Him. We need the fellowship. Don't misunderstand me. Don't take me wrong. But we need to see Him. But if all we're trying to do is work up what we felt last time, we're going about it all wrong. If we get up here and we sing a song today that just makes people shout and glory and say hallelujah, and then tomorrow we get over here and, well, it worked yesterday, let me try that again. It's not going to work. Oh, it might work. You might, Brother David and I talked about it a little bit before church. You might be able to stir up some emotions, but I'm glad today I'm not going to heaven based on emotions. Somebody help me right there. Well, I got to go. They rejected God's instructions over in uh, uh, um, a couple books over. Exodus chapter number 30, verse number 9. Ye shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. Specifically there in Exodus chapter number 30, he's speaking of the altar. And I realize that they were not at the altar. At least we don't see them there at this point in time. But we do understand that they were very close to the altar of God they were very close to doing exactly, exactly to the point of what Exodus chapter 30, verse number 9 said. And God said, it's too close. This is too close. They rejected God's instructions. It says there that they offered strange fire. In Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 29, fire speaks of God's righteousness it says, for God, or our God, is a consuming fire. In Deuteronomy chapter number 4, verse number 24, for, thy, for the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 5, you read it this morning. I am a jealous God, he says. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse number 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. When they rejected God's instructions, they took it upon themselves to take God's glory, to take what was meant for God. And God says, I'm not going to share it with anyone. Fire speaks of God's favor. I believe the preacher mentioned this the other night. Second Chronicles chapter number seven, verse number one. 
Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. It speaks of God's favor. Fire speaks of God's word in Jeremiah chapter number 20, verse number 9. It says, His word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. The fire that is often referred to as God's fire, it's nothing to be trifled with. It's nothing to play with. We tell our kids, especially the boys, don't play with fire. Don't, don't do that. You'll get burned. When you start playing around with the fire of God, you better know what you're doing. And you better know why you're doing it. They tried, next we see, they tried to force themselves into the presence of God. In Leviticus chapter number 16, verse number 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother. Now listen to this. Aaron is, is who? This is Nadab and Abihu's daddy, right? Father. They're gone. They've dealt with that. Aaron has been dealt with himself. Now God begins to speak to Aaron and he says, You better not come at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. He says, Aaron, now listen to me. He said, Aaron, you don't need always to be there. You don't need always to be there at that altar. They were supposed to come to the altar in the evening and in the morning. They were supposed to do business. He said, don't you tear around that. He said, that's my presence. He said, you'll get burned. Here, here, here's the application that I have just for myself. And, and if this applies to you, then so be it. But we dirty ourselves throughout the day. I, I want, I want to be able to be close to God at any point in my day. But we end up soiled by society. We end up getting dirty by the things that we surround ourselves in. Not necessarily the things that we do. But guess what, Miss Abby? Because we are Dirty, we are not supposed to be that close to God's presence. We are supposed to clean ourselves. We are supposed to, through Him, become clean and then go into His presence. But instead, there's a lot of folks today that they are in the presence of God and they are unholy in the presence of God. And God will have judgment. We need to be careful. When we try to force ourselves into the presence of God, somebody said this, and, and, and I believe it was um, I believe it was Suzanne the other day. I, I, I posted a uh, a quote from A. W. Tozer, and in in the quote, it, it, it just talked about society, and this was like in the fifties and the sixties. But it talked about how society is based on religion and based on the things uh, in modern churches, how they're so out of whack. And uh, I believe it was Suzanne. I could be wrong. But she said, I just wonder what it would be like to come into church and no music, no singing, just sit there until God shows up. And that got my wheels turning. And, and immediately I said, well, I know one thing for sure. It would be quite awkward. Because when we come into the house of God, everybody wants music playing. Everybody wants, okay, somebody got a song. All right, the preacher's got a message. 
But what would it be like if we just came in and we just sat and we waited for God to show up? I reckon that when God, if everybody was in one mind and one accord when that happened, the presence of God would be so real we wouldn't know what to do. Because we weren't dependent on brother so and so. We weren't dependent on the right notes. We weren't dependent on someone to give us a pep talk, but we were waiting on the presence of God. Oh, goodness gracious. God's, God's presence is holy. They tried to force themselves. I'm going to read one more passage. I wanted to get through this, but I'll just finish it tonight. If you'll be back tonight, I'll be here. I don't have much longer, so it'll be a short message tonight, unless y'all amen me a lot, and then we'll just kind of add that on to the end. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 19. You say, preacher, what you just said about you can't, can't be in the presence of God all the time because we, we dirty ourselves throughout the day and it's dangerous to be in the presence of God. That's exactly what God told Moses to tell to Aaron. But I want us to listen to what the Bible says here in Hebrews chapter number 10. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us, through the veil, that is to say, His flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I don't have anything else to do. Let's keep reading. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So I'd love to get back on one of my favorite verses in harp on verse 25. If you know you ought to be in God's house when God's house is God's house, say amen. Amen. That's anytime it's open, you need to be here. Get your tail to church. That's sermon later. Here's what I want. He says, we have the boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus in verse number 19. He says, by a new and living way, he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Guess what? We have dirtied ourselves. We've, we've been out in the world all day. We're filthy, spiritually speaking, is what I'm talking about. We're filthy spiritually speaking. Again, maybe not because we've done something. Maybe not because we've sinned. It's just we, we, we smell like the world. The Bible says that we can still come boldly. And tonight, I'll read another scripture. We can come boldly into the throne of grace. Here it says we can come boldly into the presence of God. How is that? He says, by the sprinkling. 
Now, we're not talking about the, the Catholic sprinkling of blood, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you all wet and get your glasses all... No, that, no, no. He's talking about that blood of Christ. Do you realize today that if you, it doesn't matter what you've done. If you have sinned some horrible sin, you could right now, with a contrite heart and a broken spirit, you could bow and you could ask for forgiveness and immediately... Walk into the throne room of God. That's what this, that's what this new way gives us. We're not under the law, brother Joe. We don't have to go and, and, and find the perfect animal for sacrifice. And we don't have to go and find the priest. And we don't have to wait for the priest to sacrifice for himself. And, and then to sacrifice our animal. And then give us that, that blessing of it. We don't have to do all of that, Samuel. We could come to God. And Plead the blood of Christ, and He could cleanse us, and we could be in that presence of God. That's a blessing. It's a blessing to me. We we saw their privilege, we saw their presumption. If the Lord will help me tonight, just quickly, I'll preach on their punishment. We'll read some of these other verses there in Leviticus chapter number ten. Let's stand. Can we get a song of invitation today? I encourage you, be very, very careful about what fire you are offering to God, of course. But you better be very careful about what fire you are offering even around God. There's a lot of folks that are in things for entertainment. They just want to be seen. They want to be heard. The Bible speaks of the lesson that we should prefer a brother above ourselves. I believe even society tells us that we should let someone else be seen, as opposed to get in the get in the get in the, the get behind the curtain. We saw the other day the, the play, the Oliver play. Never seen it before, never even heard it. I don't have no idea what it's even about after I've seen it. But I would venture to guess that there were just as many people behind the scenes as there were on the stage. But do you realize that the people on the stage could not have done what they did without the people behind the curtains? And today, I want to follow God. And I want to follow Him the way His Word says, not my own thinking. Not what men have taught me, but I want to follow what God's Word says. And if that this morning means that I am supposed to stand in the background and allow others to be there in front and allow them to quote-unquote get the glory, then so be it. The truth of the matter is, all glory needs to go to God anyway. we just got to be ready to give it to Him. Don't offer strange fire today. Don't get caught up in that trap of trying to do what someone else has done. Someone else may have a gift that God has given them to perform a task. You try to do that without that gift, it's going to be hard. The altars are open this morning, Brother David.